Dr. Joel, I think we start off with the first question. This voice note came through our DG Lightline. Hi, Dr. Joel. I've heard that hypnotherapy can help with anxiety. I'm curious about hypnosis as a form of treatment and I want to find out more before I try it. How does it work and will there be any side effects? All right, really good question. I think hypnotherapy is something that's getting uh, quite a lot of uh, popularity and getting quite famous, like, I think, right now in Malaysia, right? I think as a treatment form, it is quite a legitimate treatment form. I think a lot of people have been using it quite successfully. Like. But I think it's important that you go to someone that's well-trained, right? Hypnotherapy is a technique. It's a method like, in, in, in helping some individuals with uh, mental health disorders, right? So that means you can uh, compare that with like things like CBT, for example, like uh, psychoanalysis and things like that, right? So it's important that you go to someone with a good clinical background before, uh, and make sure you do your research before you go and uh, try out hypnotherapy. La. So what I mean by that is like, um, I'll give you an analogy, la, right? If you want to go and service your car, for example, if there's something wrong with your car, you want to make sure that you go to a, f- a fully certified mechanic, right? Someone who can do an oil change, that doesn't make them a mechanic. Someone who can change your tires doesn't make them a mechanic, right? You need to make sure someone is uh, fully certified, la, right? Then being able to do an oil change it just means that they know how to do an oil change, right? So a mechanic does an oil change, right? So same goes with hypnotherapy as well. You want to make sure that they are able to um, use clinical hypnotherapy as a skill, right? And, but they have still have good, uh, solid clinical foundations. So ideally, you're looking for a counsellor or clinical psychologist who can do uh, chemotherapy and they will be your best bet la, to help you with managing anxiety. La. And it's easy to find them here in Malaysia, doctor? Uh, it is, but you've got to do your research beforehand, la, right? So that means um, you've got to go on to the LKM. Uh, LKM is the Lembaga Counseling Malaysia website, the MSCP, Malaysian Society of Clinical Psychology website, and try and look for people there who do practice clinical chemotherapy, la, right? And the good thing about it is that there's no uh, side effects per se, la, right? Um, the only thing is just um, how okay you are with hypnotherapy because it's not a modality for everybody. You know that adage about how if you are not keen on it or if you're not up for it, then it's not going to work for you. It actually is, is quite true, la, right? So if you are resistant against it or you think that it's not going to work for you, then it's probably not. La. We move on to the next question. Uh, this one's coming from uh, Prakash on our DG Lightline. A family member was recently put on mood stabilizers. Uh, I just want to know how exactly do this work and how long would they take to work so with mood stabilizers prakash uh I'm uh, again I'm assuming because I don't know the full story but typically when we're talking about mood stabilizers we're talking about uh, bipolar disorder la. so bipolar disorder typically means that you know the, the person in question is oscillating between uh, periods of depression so they have a couple of months for example the traditional forms of bipolar at least like you have a couple of months of depression and then after that you have periods where there's an elevation right so uh, typically we're talking about uh, mania here or manic energy so this is the time when someone feels that they can do anything you know they can go on any dates or, or go gamble or think that they can afford to buy two condos and three cars in a day for example and things like that right so they oscillate between these two lines that's why they call it bipolar with a mood stabilizer what we're trying to do is to constrain them so that to make sure that their their low periods aren't as low or their high periods aren't as high right Um, so by and large that's how it works Um, I I don't know the new the the biology or the neurochemistry exactly on why these medications work or how they work um, scientifically right but uh, practically speaking, by and large, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to restrain the the swings, so to speak. right? So that means uh, whatever lows or highs that they have aren't going to be extreme. Usually when they're in the extreme, that's when it causes problems for the clients. right? So if you can imagine if you buy three condos in a day, then the commitment is going to be outrageous and it's going to be hard for you to maintain. Similarly, when you're super depressed, then you're not able to function and you can't go to work or interact with your friends, for example, and that's going to be problematic as well. So that's what we're trying to do. Now, how long it takes to work is not instantaneous. right? Typically, 
typically most on on average like most psychotropic medication will take about a week to two weeks to kick in and even then also it changes from person to person to person so you give 10 people the same kind of uh, mood stabilizer like lithium for example you're going to get 10 different effects right? from levels of effectiveness to side effects and things like that so it's going to be changing uh, constantly right so prakash i would encourage you to continue seeing your psychiatrist or get your loved one to see the psychiatrist just to make sure that they are constantly monitored and make sure that if there's any changes that need to be done then we can do it like for the patient all right just so people don't just simply get any kind of medication they think it's good for them who can prescribe mood stabilizers so you want to go see a psychiatrist uh, uh, and that's your best bet right i think there's some gps out there who do prescribe it uh, general practitioners i think you need to be careful about who you get it from right um i think gps are great but then i think psychiatrists because they've done a specialization in mental health already right? in psychiatry they probably be your best bet so they can track your progress and they can make sure that you know things are going okay right and if not then you got to fine tune the medication and that's something that happens a lot right within the first two weeks to a month a lot of fine tuning occurs right to make sure you check the dosages or the kind good cocktail right cocktail for you like to make sure that it works the best like great as long as i know you can't just get it off the shelf yourself that's great definitely no, no, fantastic no, this one's coming from M- Also, through our DG light line. I really can't stand my job lah. And on Sunday nights, my insomnia gets so bad because I'm so anxious about work. I can't sleep until like 6am like that until the next day. I've tried a lot of things like meditation, reading, uh, deep reading and it doesn't work lah. Uh, should I go on medication? Um, so Amnesty, I think if things were back to normal, like pre-COVID times and all that, like you know, I think one of the things that I would have asked you to consider would be, you know, is it possible for you to change shops or not, like, right? Sorry, Because to change shops, change jobs, oh, right? okay. change, change oh, occupation. Understood. Right? Yeah, and I think the, that's always worth considering because we spend so much time at work; it's such a big chunk of our lives, right? That if we don't, if we're not happy in it, then it's going to be detrimental to the way we live our lives, like, right? Um, and the, given the fact that you're having insomnia till like 6 a.m. on Sunday nights. That's actually pretty bad, lah. Right? Uh, it's great that you tried the deep breathing and all that, but it's fortunate it doesn't work, lah. Right? So medication definitely is an option for you. You're probably looking at some kind of uh, a relaxant. Right, so maybe a sleeping pill, for example, or maybe some low dose um, depression medication that usually uh, psychiatrists can give you to help with uh, insomnia as well to help you sleep better. So that's definitely an option to consider. Lah. The only thing that I would um, caveat is that you know with a lot of uh, sleeping pills, lah, and a lot of people sometimes, right, it can you can get very dependent on them. So that means you start relying on them to help you sleep, lah, which is problematic in its own right, lah, right. So let's say, for example, once you change your job, you might find that even though you're not stressed out, you still need the sleeping pills to go to sleep right so there's something you really want to keep in close touch with your psychiatrist to make sure that doesn't happen or we mitigate the the possibility of that happening right um so medication is definitely an option i think the third option for you to try is to work with someone to uh work on the sleep right so that means um, i think all the skills that you've done um, a lot of times if you do it on your own it's going to work lah but sometimes for the most stubborn or difficult kind of situations you might want to have someone outside or third party to help you out lah because you need to th- do things like being consistent make sure you learn the right skill and stuff like that right so that's the other thing that we'll consider and see lah right um and again you know when things even now and things are a bit better maybe also consider changing your job lah because that might be a, a more long term solution for you as well lah yeah i wouldn't as you know at first i thought in my head maybe changing your jobs you know maybe changing your job but at the same time i thought maybe dr joel is a is a doctor he wouldn't say that but yet that was <laughs> that was the first thing you said i, I guess yeah 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 because i mean think about it like we spend so much time at work that if you know if we we're not happy in it or it makes us upset or anxious or having insomnia like amnesty is going through 
it's so problematic, right? Uh, and you know, if we can't manage it on our own, then we need to change our surroundings. You know, if we can. Right now, during COVID, I don't think it's the best idea to change jobs and stuff like that. So let's let's stick, stay stay in job for now and see what more we can do to to help ourselves, right? And then to, next time in the future, we can see what we can do about the situation. The next one is uh, one I'm gonna have to read, and I think I feel sad already just reading the questions. Right. I'll read it out to you. Right. This is coming from Yong on our DG Lightline. I have a question about PTSD. I was abused quite badly when I was younger and living in my hometown, Kuantan. I left and haven't been back in decades, but recently had to go back there for urgent matters. As Mm -hmm. soon as I started seeing familiar sights, I started to feel scared, nervous Mm -hmm. and unhappy. Are these signs of PTSD and what can I do about it? Okay. Um... So I think if you want to be super pedantic about it, right? Um, this is uh, unlikely to be PTSD, right? Because if it's P- if it's true, true traditional uh, PTSD, right? You you wouldn't need to be in that situation to be triggered, right? Even outside of it, right? Anything that reminds you of Kuantan, um, whatever it is, the sights or sounds or locations, whatever it is, even thoughts about it, I would be able to trigger attacks, right? I think. Um, again, I'm saying, I'm, like I said, I'm being pedantic here because, um, you know, if you want to follow the true uh, diagnosis criteria, then it's not, right? I think more likely is that you had a very troubling, traumatic experience in quantum, whatever that may be, right? And when you're away from it, you're functioning okay, right? I think when you go back, then when you're reminded about it, it's it, it brings back all these memories, right? The human mind, there's something what we call uh, classical conditioning, right? And what happens basically is that, you know, we condition certain situations or environments with uh, certain reactions right so if you guys know your uh, pop psychology you've heard of Pavlov before you know the guy that rings the bell and then the dog thinks that the food is coming and then starts salivating even though there's no food so that the researcher like, has paired the ringing of the bell with uh, food right that's what the dog salivates every time so same goes here like, every time you go back to Kuantan you see a site it reminds you of the bad things that have happened there for example bad memories and things like that like, right so um, although I don't think it's PTSD I think um, it, you can still benefit from therapy if necessary and what I mean by that is if Kuantan is not a big part of your life right so you went back there for the emergency and things like that okay understandable but if it's not a big part of your life you know the need for you to do something about it diminishes of course but if something you have to go back to constantly let's say it's your hometown your parents are still living there then it might be a good idea to work with a psychologist or a counsellor just to tease apart right so to break that connection so that you know you, every time you go back to Kuantan you don't have the same reactions again so that's something to consider 